All right, well, we're going to tr- transition now to uh, uh, God's Word. If you, are, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn with me to Genesis. You don't have to turn very far. Genesis chapter 1. We were actually just here a couple weeks ago. Uh, we've been, we're continuing our sermon series on a beautiful faith, looking at the beauty of the Christian life. And one of the things, it's been really fun to kind of do my homework and investigate this a little more. You know, it's one of those things where you know it to be true, but then you get to kind of dig in a little bit more. And just how many people in the history of the Christian faith have, have come to faith and have continued in faith uh, because proclaiming because of its beauty. Um, I've been reading so many different people. I was reading it even this week about a French philosopher named Simone Weil, who talked about the beauty of the Christian faith and how she just was so attracted to uh, the beauty of its message, the beauty of the Savior, uh, that she couldn't turn it away. And so that's what we want to, to capture our attention, to capture our hearts, uh, is to, to put ourselves before this message, before this, the, the, the beauty of the faith, so that we, our hearts can be captured by it as well. And so what we've been doing is we kind of spent the first half of the sermon series looking at a beautiful, our beautiful Savior, uh, looking at the Savior, His beautiful message, um, and, and we've kind of turned our attention, and his beautiful invitation, and we kind of turned our attention the last couple of weeks to look at kind of ourselves and the world and even kind of our calling within it. So a couple of weeks ago, I preached on Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, uh, looking at how God has made us in his image, a beautiful image. Uh, and then Matt last week preached on how God has called us to live a beautiful life. And this week, I want us to look at how we have a beautiful calling, and we don't have to go very far even from uh, where we were a couple weeks ago. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, I want you to give your attention to verses 28 through 31, the very end here. And again, this is, this is so interesting because, like I said before, we, just, we have just a couple pages of creation where God is creating his world and making it beautiful and creating all that is within it and calling it good. And then the rest of the Bible is just where things go, go south and go awry. And there's, the rest of Scripture has just been try, trying to put it back together, namely through uh, the promise and the deliverance of Jesus Christ. And so, but, but I want to, like, this is so deep right here. I want us to dwell on even just this first chapter, the end of this first chapter here. So verse 28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he, has, that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Praise to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you, and we thank you for your word, especially the very beginning uh, of your word, where we can see and hear and experience through these words 
the beauty of your creation, that you've not only created this beautiful world, but that you've created us in your image, and that you've called us in a very specific way to live in this world. As we explore that now and as we explore your word, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see. Lord, give us hearts that turn to you in faith and just receive the beauty that you have for us in your word. Lord, may your word be the power of salvation for all who believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this word calling, you heard, what, do you, what do you think of when I say, hey, we have a beautiful calling? Or maybe even if I were to kind of just say, hey, what is your calling? How would you, what kind of fill in that blank? What kind of words come to your mind if somebody were to say, you know, hey, someone said, what's your calling? So often we might think of it in terms of like an actual role that we play. Maybe we think of it as, a, well, part of my calling is that I'm a parent or I'm a spouse. Or we may think about it, the role that we play as a, as a, like in our jobs. Like we think about it like I am in business or I'm in ministry or I'm in, you know, uh, photography or whatever it may be. Um, there's all sorts of ways we can answer that question. And so often we think about it and we want to answer that question in terms of either a role that we play or a job that we have or an action that we do. We kind of immediately go to those terms. Even as a Christian, we think, what's your calling as a Christian? Oh, I need to share the good news of the gospel. And all of these are great things. They're all part of uh, our calling as Christians. And we may even think about it in our spiritual gifts. Well, I'm gifted in hospitality, and so part of my calling is to be hospitable. And all of that is very good and right. But so often we immediately go to, do you see how all those are kind of uh, the giving part, like how you give, what's your calling? And you immediately go to, here's what I can do to produce. Here's how I can produce. Here's what I can give. And so much of the Bible actually starts with exactly the opposite of what you receive. It actually starts with what you receive first. And if you get that wrong, all the rest of it, you get all the rest of it wrong too. So it's so important that we get the first part right, that what God is the one that has given us. And I want to go back to just even what we just read before, and I want to highlight just, I don't know if you heard it before, but even just a lot of the way the language is directed at. There's so much that is set, there's a direction that's set here in the beginning of creation. There's a direction that's set, and it's, it's the direction of God blessing and God giving. It starts with God. And humankind is the one who receives from God and then is, and, you know, so receives from God and then offers that gift to the world. That's the way the rest of the Bible, you can even think of like, uh, maybe some of you are familiar with the covenant with Abraham, just a few pages over. The, the call of Abraham is to do exactly the call of what we hear here. And, in, and the call is, it says in verse 28, look back with me, and God blessed them. That's the very first thing we hear. He made humankind in his image, male and female, and then he blessed them. Isn't that kind of cool? The first thing that we hear is not like, hey, I made you in my image, now go do. It's like, no. The first thing we hear is God blessed them. He took a moment to bless them. And even, just look at the direction of the language here. He does say, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
But then he also, if you look at verse 29, he says, Behold, this, again, the structure and the direction here, I have given. Do you see that repeated throughout the entire passage here? I have given you every plant. And to every, and he says at the very end of verse 29, and you shall have. Do you see the passive language there? And verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, I have given. This is what he says at the very beginning. I have given. And then he says, and it was so. And there's a, I don't want us to miss this because this, this actually is what happens is Adam and Eve missed this and it ruins the entire direction of creation, right? And so I, don't, I want us to go back and just dwell on this for a moment to see during the sermon, to, to just recapture like what it is that God originally called us to be and to do. He originally called you and I to do two things. And I want to talk about this very simply. If you don't if you remember anything from this sermon, remember this. He's called us to receive, to receive his good gifts, his good gifts, to receive them, not to hold them, right? To receive them from him, not from the world, not to take them, to receive them, and then to offer them to the world for the good of humanity. It's that simple, but it's that hard. <laughs> it's that simple and it's that hard because, man, we get it all wrong, don't we? We get it so wrong. We think so often about our calling. And, and I want to take a moment here just to, before I, this, this is a book, um, it's called For the Life of the World. A lot of what I'm going to be talking about over the next few moments is from this book. Uh, it's uh, 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 by an author named Alexander Schmemann. He was a Russian Orthodox minister. Um, and I'm just going to kind of, I want to read to you uh, just from one page of his, uh, what he talks about in regards to, to, to this sort of way of life, of, of receiving from God and then offering it to the world. Just listen to what he has to say. He says this, all rational, spiritual, and other qualities of man, distinguishing him from other creatures, have their focus and ultimate fulfillment in this capacity to bless God, to know, so to speak, the meaning of the thirst and hunger that constitutes his life. He says this. Now, let, pay attention right here. Homo sapiens. It's kind of one way we describe ourselves. Homo sapiens. You've heard this word. It, it actually comes from this Latin, the wise man. Homo sapiens. We kind of think of ourselves as people who are thinking beings who can kind of be wise in the world. That's where that term comes from. Homo sapiens. Or homo faber. That's this Latin word that means man can make. We think of the ways in which we make the world around us. He says, yes, those are, we are all those things. But first and foremost, we are homo adorans. We are people who worship. We are the worshiping humankind. That is who you are and who I am first and foremost. And we try to jump apart from that. <laughs> and that's where we get all disfigured and distorted. But if we go back to this first definition, this basic definition of humankind is that we are priests. That's what a priest does. A priest is somebody who receives from God and who gives and offers. You and I are called to be priests. That's what the Bible lays out for us, especially in the New Testament. And he called Adam and Eve, especially in the beginning, to be priests. He stands, now listen to this, and he uses a lot of, um, you know, language here, 
uh, from, uh, from when he wrote. Uh, he, he says he stands, talking about mankind, he stands in the center of the world and unifies it in his act of blessing God, of both receiving the world from God and offering it to God, and by filling the world with this Eucharist. He transforms his life, the one that he receives from the world, into life in God, into communion with him. The world was created as the matter, the material of all this, this embracing, all-embracing Eucharist, and man was created as the priest of this cosmic sacrament. I know that's a little heady, but he captures this beautiful picture that we are homo adorans. You, in, you first and foremost are a worshiping being. You worship, right? You, that's how you were designed. And so you were designed to receive. And so what happens, what goes awry is that we have a relationship with the world around us. And so often, instead of receiving the world around us as a gift from God and seeing God in all of it, seeing all that we receive as gifts from him, what do we do instead? We take it and we use it for our own good and for our own glory. This is exactly the story of original sin with Adam and Eve. What did they do? They, God put them in a garden and he gave them a calling. He said, this is what you're called to be and to do. And prior, you know, the priority was having communion with him. And part of that communion was not only a spiritual communion, but it was also with the physical world around them, that they were to, to experience that physical world and to take, not to take, but to receive and then to offer it back to God. And what goes wrong? They take, right? They take the forbidden fruit for themselves, for their own glory. And this defines so much of how our calling gets distorted and disfigured and disordered. So much of how your calling, so have you ever been frustrated with your calling? <laughs> like, man, if I just could get this right, or I just kind of can't seem to just, you know, can't get this right. Maybe sometimes when I get, like, I'll be honest with you, sometimes this is exactly the exercise I have to do is I have to go back and say, oh, what, am I taking or am I receiving? So often, it's sad to say, so many ministers in the faith, we come to this life of ministry with a narcissistic attitude to take and to use it for our glory. And as a minister, I have to go, wait, time out. Am I doing that right now? Am I using the opportunity I have? Am I taking it for my own glory? Or am I receiving and offering it to God for, and to the good of the world? So much of your calling and my calling comes back to that question of not these giving verbs. Before you even get there, you have to get it right with receiving because so much is disfigured and disordered in how we want to give, right? We want to put our name on it. Hey, this is my gift, right? Instead of God's name on it, right? It's like, it's like receiving a gift and saying, hey, can you go deliver this? This is like, have you ever done this for somebody where you receive a gift and they say, hey, can you go deliver this to somebody? and you go deliver to somebody, what, do, what if you were to scratch your, their name out and put your name on it? That's kind of what we did with God. We were like, no, this is not from God. This is from me, right? This is what happens with our calling. It gets so distorted and so disfigured. Friends, we were meant, this is the, what we were meant to be and to do. I'm, I, think of the, I think of the John Steinbeck quote, East of Eden, uh, from East of Eden, where there's this quote where it says, um, 
the, one of the characters, uh, I believe Samuel, says this. He's like, there are two stories that I don't understand, but I know to be true. The story of original sin and the story of Cain and Abel. I don't understand them, but I feel them. And when we come to the Genesis story of creation and fall, there's so much we can be like, man, I don't understand this. I know I don't understand. There's so much I don't understand about this, what was happening in this text. But I feel it. I know it's true because I know when I read it, I'm like, that just feels right. And if you're in here and you're exploring the Christian faith, that's part of the beauty of Christianity, is you might not be able to explain it, but so many people who come to faith say, I feel it in my bones. That's true. I can't maybe articulate it the way I want, but I feel it. I feel it's true. And when we, go, when we come to this story of creation and the, the, dis, the, uh, the disfigurement of our call, um, this is true as well. And so once we get... So one of the, one of the practical things that I want to encourage you with <laughs> as you think about your calling in the world is to go back to the beginning and to, go, and to, to, to practice receiving from God because we just want to jump to the giving part. We want to jump to the giving. We want to jump to kind of what we're called to do rather than going back to the beginning and saying, God, I receive from you. So I encourage you on a daily basis, just make it simple. Have a prayer of thanksgiving, a very simple pr- God, thank you for today. I love that verse. You know, today is the day you've made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. If it's that simple, use that, use that psalm. Something simple to sort of retrain yourself and recenter yourself on receiving from God. Because if you don't receive from Him, what you're doing is you're taking the world around you and you're using it for yourself or you're using it for your own glory. And so to the second point, is again, I talked about receiving. We're called to offer, <laughs> offer God's gifts back to the world. Again, we get back to this idea, um, Alexander Smithman calls it Eucharistic living or the, the life of a priest. You're all priests. Like I said before, we are all priests, not just the pastor. We're all called to do this. And that's what the beauty is of this calling, is that it's not just one person receiving and giving. It's all of us. It's the priesthood of all believers. That's the way God designed it to be. He designed us to be able to, in our relationship with the world, to be able to receive and to offer. So I want to talk about that just for a moment with offering. I can't get this illustration out of my head. Uh, one, of the, my, one of my seminary professors, Jerem Bars, talked about when he was visiting his father-in-law who lived in California. His father-in-law was a, a farmer. And he particularly farmed uh, uh, an orchard of arm trees. Um, sorry, orange trees, not arm trees. Orange trees. Um, orange trees. And he was just kind of going for a, for a walk uh, in the, around the farm one day, and he kind of came up on, upon his father-in-law. And it was right when the, the oranges were kind of just beginning to fall off the trees, and they were ripe for picking. And he, he, he talked about how he just kind of peeled through, and he saw... Uh, his father-in-law, on his knees, taking the oranges and lifting them up to God and saying, God, these are yours. May these be for your glory and for the good of the world. It's literally he was giving praise, offering his first fruits 
back to God. And it's this beautiful picture. I, it helps kind of recenter me as I think about my position in the world of anything. Fill in the blank, whatever you receive. Maybe it's not an orange. <laughs> whatever it is in your relationship to the world, whatever God has given you, do you immediately sort of take it for yourself or do you offer it back to God and say, I want, it, I want this to be used for your glory and for the good of the world? Also think of, um, I was thinking of Marie Kondo. Anybody read her book, The Art of Tidying? Remember what the question she is she, she gives? Does it bring you? Man, see, everybody knows this. This is, man, the gospel of Marie Kondo. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, <laughs> the gospel of Jesus Christ is, you know, there's, there's beauty in that. There's beauty in, in what she offers. But, like, it's the same exercise. We can kind of pick up the things in our house and not only ask, does it bring me joy, but it can be an exercise of thanksgiving to say, just like, just like my, my seminary professor's father-in-law, to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this gift, whatever it is. And to say, I offer it back to you. How may I offer this back to you? That simple exercise of how we relate to the world around us is our calling in life. And that will inform the specifics of how you, each one of you live out your specific calling. But we have to get it, the, the beginning part right before we jump to this get all the giving, all the giving that we want to do and the roles that we play and the jobs we do. Because we can do those jobs and roles as we are called to do them when we have the right receiving and the right offering in place. I want to end the sermon the best way I know how, by looking at Jesus. Think about the life of Jesus. Just simply think about, I want to look at three or four scenes and you think, can think with me. Number one, which I talked about this a couple weeks ago, if you just think about the fact of Jesus' incarnation, that Jesus became human, and that this was the calling in which God, this was the plan of salvation, that God chose to take his son and make him human, take, taking the form of a human. He became a, a servant of all of us. That is an affirmation, a reaffirmation. He doesn't go and say, oh man, the way I planned it, that was all bad. He actually reaffirms, this is actually what I wanted to do. Jesus is literally called the second Adam <laughs> because he comes in and he actually does what Adam was supposed to do. And he does that, if we look forward, if we go and look at his baptism, that's where we actually see his calling. The Father, right? We see the, the work of the Trinity, the Father coming in. Do you remember what the Father says at his baptism? This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The Father goes to the extent to give him a word of blessing. There it is again. Isn't that, don't we have a beautiful, good God? He even blesses his son with words of blessing. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He doesn't say, this is my son. Now go do. Now he does, like he does. But And then what immediately happens after Jesus' baptism? He goes into the desert and he's tempted. And what does Satan tempt him with? His calling. His calling in this world. And he tempts him with specifically his relationship to the world. Right? If you think about every, the, the three ways he's tempted, he tempts him with how is he, and, and 
Jesus gives us a picture in those in his temptation of redeeming everything that fell short, even in the way he responded with his temptation. And then we see at the very end of Jesus' calling, we're in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> and what does Jesus do? He's on his knees. He's praying to the Father. Father, take this cup from me. That was weird. Father, take this cup from me. And, but he says, no, not my will be done, but your will. He's giving us a picture. He's redeeming our calling, even right then and there. And friends, that's the beauty of our Christian faith is that we have a God who will go to all lengths and all extents to make sure, that's not a word, extents, go to the greatest length to make sure that we live out the calling that he's given us. So friends, I invite you into that. I invite you into experiencing your calling from God as receiving from him, repenting of the ways in which you take from the world, to receive from him and to offer his good gifts back to him for the good of the world and for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It is so refreshing to see how you have made this world and you have called us. Lord, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you that you are a picture of our calling and that you have done what we couldn't do and that you've even died, that you even took the curse for us that we should have had and that you, got, Jesus, were redeemed and resurrected to new life, so that, to resurrected life, so that, Spirit, you can empower us to live out our calling in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come now to particularly a time that I would say one of the um, very practical ways in which we apply this in our worship service is literally through the offering. The offering goes to the livelihood of our church. It goes particularly through the way exactly we're talking about, to the good of our neighborhood, the ways in which we're living out our mission as a church, to the good of our neighborhood and to the glory of God. So take a moment now for the offering.